Hey everyone, it's Henry, aka Cairo. Here to remind you to check out the care warnings and transcript in the episode description. Grab a nice hot drink and have a safe listen. Mithail presents Circe's. Episode 27, Under Your Skin. Right, here we are again. I thought I could get another session in before we leave today. Just some work-related business, Matthew. No need to call me in for another meeting. I haven't done anything I shouldn't have this time. I picked up a case from the unsorted box that Cairo insists on having... He just skims through them and then puts all the ones he doesn't want to read into the box. Seems the whole pile of new cases got chucked in there today. Nothing that suited his fancy, I assume. The case file I have acquired today is a session by Jackie Lawrence. Case file 4274385-21. The session was written on the 6th of May, 2021. The session was recorded on the 24th of May, 2023, by Elias Emanuel Short, therapist-in-training at Sunshine Valley Mental Institution. Ever since I was a little girl, I have felt far more comfortable spending my time in the forest or any other greenery than I ever did inside the concrete hell upon which we built society. So naturally, at a very young age, I also build a fondness for the beings that live on and nurture the earth that we so crudely take for granted. I spent many summer days living on the forest floor, letting the little insects crawl over my exposed skin, often until there were almost more ants on me than there were freckles. My mother wasn't like me at all. Had it been up to her, we would be living in the middle of the city, as far away from the green trees that sprouted in the forest behind our backyards as possible. But my dad was an insistent man, and he refused to let me grow up in the big city, with all the noises and unnatural routines. He believed growing up near Mother Earth's purest creation would shape me better as I grew into womanhood. And I suppose he was right. Where my mother would scream as a spider crawled over her leg... I would simply giggle at the tickling sensation, treating the new friend as my own kind. No matter the creature, I always found a spot in my heart to love every single one of them. I kept the house after my dad passed away last year. My mother didn't waste a second before moving into the center of Ulnse. Yet, that never appealed to me. Fortunately, my dad left the house in my name. This allowed me to pack the little things that I had brought with me when I moved to the cheapest flat I could find that didn't come too close to the city and move back into my childhood home. It felt so empty without all the things that had once made it a home. 
I wish standing there in the house where I spent most of my childhood with my father would bring me some semblance of ease. Instead, it just made me miss what had once been there even more. I did start to feel a sense of acceptance and recovery as I grew accustomed to my surroundings once again. The forest behind my house came into play in my life, just as it had when I was a little girl. It felt strange following the path that had once shaped the woman I am today, but I welcomed the forest back into my heart as a savior, revisiting my love for all the living beings I share the world with. Once again, I could lay my head upon the mussy ground beneath the undergrowth and trees that sheltered the roads leading towards my house. In a way, it made me feel closer to my dad than I had ever been when he was alive. Deep inside, I believe a part of my dad lived within the forest, shielded away from the world that had seemed unwelcoming to people like him. People like us. For when it became a rarity to love the earth we were given, that's when we no longer considered ourselves part of them. I have always believed the forest to be my ally. The concrete streets outside my window always made me feel a sense of unease. Why did they damage the earth we had been given when the earth had done nothing but give us the life we cherished but often took for granted? If I had the strength, I would have torn it off the dirt I loved so dearly, remaking the earthy path I followed through the life I had chosen. Yet as time passed, I began to wonder why the forest chose to punish me. I have loved its beings and gifts more than any other of its creation. Hadn't I allowed every bug and insect to crawl upon my naked skin? Didn't I sit in the rain to hum its tune, soaked to the bone by the waters above? Did I ever complain about the weather that was given to us each day? No, I have never not loved what was given to me, for I am a grateful receiver of something so far beyond me. Yet she chooses to punish me. The betrayal is bittersweet on my tongue, and I wish I had it in me to scream. She portrayed me on a day like any other. One foggy May morning, I had decided to pluck the wild berries that grew in one of the clearings. The clearing was small and well-hidden, but it held some of the sweetest berries I had ever tasted. I honestly thought the berries were giving to me as a gift, the Earth's way of thanking me for my loyalty. I'd never stopped to ponder if the berries hadn't been for me to take. I used the ball my father had made from a broken tree. The wood slightly damp when the wet glistening berries moved along its edges as I placed them in it, collecting those that had been ripened by the sun. I lingered a bit on my knees, watching the forest breathe undisturbed by human hands. The pulsing in the air sent me into a state of ease a false belief that I was safe within my tiny corner of the world. A false belief that nothing could touch me if I stayed hidden in here, away from the suffocating concrete. Perhaps safety has always been a placebo we believe in to feel better about the violence that lurk not too far away from us. 
Anything can be the last thing you see, and humans aren't more significant than the ant that digs in the soft earth below us. We make no bigger differences than they do. We only do a lot more harm when we damage the homes we were given. I somehow still believe in the beauty of the purest nature, even after it has punished me for believing it was ever a gift for me to take. I still believe I am one of her children, and that she must have been mistaken when she took me as a sacrifice. But maybe I'm wrong, and maybe my death will serve a purpose for her. My body will soon be food for her growth, and I hope she takes me as an equal. I tend to get off topic when I tell a story. I guess you never truly improve your storytelling when you spend most of your life surrounded by things that can't talk back or give you any kind of criticism. Not that I mind their silent listening. It gave me more time for my own pondering over the body and world I had been given at birth. I told you of the berries I'd collected from my clearing. It was only a ten-minute walk from my home, I would often go early in the morning to harvest the gifts of Mother Earth. When my bowl was filled to my satisfaction, I followed the path back to my house I now call home with ease. It was as I walked the trail I had been on just 20 minutes earlier that I noticed the first oddity of the day. On the path, an abnormal number of snails were crawling towards me at a slow pace. It amazed me, since if they had been there as I was heading into the forest, I would have surely noticed them. Yet, there they were, as if out of the blue. I tried not to pay them too much mind, but the shapes they had taken sent chills down my spine. I somehow assured myself that it must have been a bad omen, and I had to do a ritual later to satisfy the earthly mother. I ate my breakfast like any other day, almost constantly telling myself that the odor of the berries had been the same as any other day. My stomach churned when I got back on my feet again, but I didn't pay in much mind. Some days just feel worse than others, you know? Still, despite always trying to avoid the berries that the forest had claimed as food for its creatures... It did occur to me that I might have mistakenly eaten the home of such beings, which made guilt wash over me. Today could have been such a good day. I tried not to notice the snail trail that had started to appear on the wooden frames around the glass of my door and windows. It must just have been a damp morning. They did seem to appear more frequently in such weather conditions. But it still bugged me the slime trickling down my windows in a sickly yellow-tinted color when the sun shone down upon it. Overall, I didn't feel at my best. I decided to call in sick at my day job. Worried yesterday had landed me with a bit of a fever. A lukewarm rain had washed over the forest the day before, so I lied down in the forest with my friends taking in the water as it fell on me, purifying my soul. The beings of the earth crawled freely over me as they saw fit. I passed out, 
almost the second my head made contact with the pillow that night, falling into a deep and uneasy sleep. I dreamt about the forest, but instead of the welcoming green embrace I had grown so accustomed to, I found myself in a barren and lifeless land. Starving animals crawled exhausted through the dirt. The peeling barks of the trees seemed putrid and infested with insects unlike any I had seen before. It was all painted a dull gray, reminding me of a black and white image. I gasped in horror, catching the attention of the malnourished animals around me. Their milky white eyes were instantly upon me, and I knew deep down they now only saw me as prey. Their bones made a sickly cracking sound as their broken bodies seemed to reassemble themselves under their skin. I broke into a sprint right before they did, my heart pounding frantically in my chest. I had some faint hope that I could outrun my demise, but dream logic stayed true to its definition, and no matter how fast I ran, my legs never truly moved fast enough. I could hear the thundering sounds of roars and screams behind me, coming ever nearer. I didn't watch where I was running and fell over a tree stump, landing face down in the desert-dried dirt. They descended upon me, before I even had a chance to turn over. Wolf-like teeth dug into the skin on my calves, tearing at the flesh beneath it. Bugs painting my flesh black as they swarmed on me. Thousand bites tore me apart until all I could see was flesh. Whatever was left of my skin was burning and I awoke with a scream. My room had been cast into all-consuming darkness. My breathing was fast as my eyes tried to adjust to the darkness, though without any luck. On the table before me was a single burning candle. I hadn't lit a candle. I looked at the digital clock beside my bed. 12.33. There was no way it could be that dark. Part of me wishes I had never tried to look but another part of me knows that what followed was simply unavoidable. I grabbed the candle, slowly edging closer to the window. It took me a second to realize what I was looking at. My window had been fully covered, preventing light from penetrating through the glass. Had I not been as familiar with the forest as I am, I don't think I would have recognized what had covered the glass. Thousands of squirming. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I'm done. What are you doing? I simply refuse to read any further. You read it. I'm, I'm out. Elias, what the heck? Nope. <laughs> done. Just have a good day, sir. I will see you when that... B.S. is over with. Uh, oh, alright then. Okay, let's, let's see here. Oh, that explains it. It's another bug session. 
Uh, Elias really hates bugs now. Seems they are starting to get under his skin. Um, session continued by Cairo Mutis Timor, therapist at Sunshine Valley Mental Institution. Thousands of squirming snails had mashed together in a slimy pile, keeping me captive in my darkened bedroom. I have spent my childhood around animals like these, and I knew that the goo that seeped through the cracks of my bedroom was not of a natural origin. It shone a green color, reminding me of a mucus-infused vomit. I tried to push the windows open, only to realize that they were kept shut. No matter which entrance I checked, it all seemed to be covered in that liquid. I was locked in. That's when I felt it. My skin started to squirm, and at first I thought a bug had managed to make its way inside the room and up my arm. It was only as I looked down that I realized there was no slimy being there. Only a moving lump, crawling slowly up my wrist and arm. I hit the lump without a second thought, the skin bursting open with a wet pop and purple liquid mixed with blood started to ooze out of my skin. I didn't know what was happening to me. More lumps grew rapidly and moved around, my hands swatting at them till the floor was decorated with sickening gore. That's when I grabbed my phone and I just managed to call 112 before my vision faded. When I woke up, I was in a hospital bed. My arms were covered in bandages and they told me that I had hurt myself. A bloody knife had been found at my feet and I was being transferred to the best mental facility they could offer. I told them that they were mistaken, that I hadn't done this to myself. The snails under my skin were the real culprits and I just wanted to go home. That, as you could have guessed, didn't help my case, and I'm stuck here now, aren't I? Far away from the relief my forest gave me, despite this gruesome punishment. I know she isn't done with me, and I wish I could spend my last days in her embrace, but I have been robbed of that freedom. I forgive her for her folly. For she made me the woman that I am today, and I hope to rest in her dirt as soon as she allows it. It seems like Jackie never got her wish granted. Judging by this police report, this is one of our missing bodies. I, I wonder if they're all connected. Either way, Jackie was admitted to a hospital a few days after this session, screaming about squirming. The flesh under her skin was found to contain a foreign thick liquid, which didn't match up with the mucus snails typically leave behind, the so-called 
snail trail. The doctors couldn't explain the fungal-like growth that had somehow left the skin untouched. What bothers me the most is that they managed to find small snail carcasses inside her body, and she succumbed to the injuries and infection just shortly after. The body disappeared just six hours after she had been declared dead. God, no wonder Elias didn't want to read this one. The session had another victim in it, Jackie Lawrence's body. It was also declared missing six hours after she passed. Well, no time to waste then. Did you sort out the Kristen problem? Don't worry about that. I got it all under control. Meet me two streets from here in about 30 minutes? Understood. I really hope this won't end terribly. <laughs> you know me. I am always prepared. <laughs> yeah, in your dreams. <laughs> Just get out of here, dingus. All right, all right. Have fun on your little misadventure. <laughs> you know I will. Circe's is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. This episode featured Alexander Bauman as Elias Short and Henry Johannesson as Cairo Timor. It was audio edited by Henry Johannesson and Else Sari, a manuscript edited by Rita Bauma and Jay Jacobson, and written by Alexander F. Bauma. Like what we do? Tell your friends and loved ones all about our show, or support us on our Ko-Fi by buying some art or donating whatever you feel comfortable with. Want to get to know us? Follow us on our social media or join our public Discord server. All the links are in the episode description. Thank you for listening.